0: Welcome back to Post Traumatic Thriving. We've got a wonderful guest, uh, Anthony Brown in the house and Tanya Brown, my co-host. Hi, Anthony.
1: fabulous. How's doing? This is good stuff.
0: Uh, you know, Anthony, I got to tell you, I've been working on disasters for a long time. Normally, the way it works is that with trauma, the baseline's kind of normal, you know, normal life, happy. And then you hit a trauma, you, you're hitting trauma right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally from... The umbilical wrapped around your neck when you're born, you're born into a family where your mom is doing her best with you and another brother and two sisters, but um, you don't know who your dad is and uh, your brother and your two sisters know who their dad is, uh, but you're growing up with violence, literally in your you know playground, uh, you're growing up with drug dealing, stealing, crime, um you know an ugly thing. And then you move to California and you're dealing drugs and you're getting a little bit of money working in carnivals, working, you know, living in uh deserted homes. I mean, it's pretty overwhelming what you went through. And we're not mm-hmm. even at, you know, we're not <laughs> even at the, the, <laughs> the low summit point. yet. Yeah. We're not at the exactly. low point. So I think we're all dying to know, Anthony Brown Tell us about life and leading up and the, tell us about the low point.
2: Okay. Um, As I was saying, uh, my mom passed, I got a phone call. Um, By then I was able to um, get a job at a a state facility because I haven't had like a, a criminal record per se yet. And so I got a phone call from my brother who somehow found me and he said, you know, Tony, mom's dying. And I'm thinking, well, no, she got shot in the head. She's not going to die, you know? And so um, then I get a call from my sister and said, mom wants to talk to you. And I'm like, okay. So I'm talking to her and she's like, I'm dying. All right. Okay. You know? And in my head, it's like, well, mom got shot in the head. She's indestructible. And then I got a phone call the next day and said, Tony, mom's dead. Mm. Oh. And at that point, I'm like, I just... Everything I had, every drug I had, every ounce of money I had, I—I I mean, I'm already stealing stuff. And back then, you used to be able to go to the ATM machine <laughs> and uh, put in an empty envelope and draw out money. And I—I I took as much money as I could from everywhere, and I caught a plane that went back to Michigan. And I and I seen my mom, mm-hmm. you know, and she was like laying there. I'm like, okay. You know, my first thoughts is, is, like, well, she died from cancer. She died at home. Where's the pain meds? And that's what I was thinking. Oh. Oh, my oh my gosh, gosh. you're sitting okay. there
0: visiting your mother, viewing her body, and you're, what's on your mind is where the, the meds to yeah, where's the meds? Where's yeah. the meds to steal?
2: Right. Wow. And, and let me get the hell out of here. Wow. Yeah. And so, because I was I was a stranger in a strange land. I haven't seen nobody. I mean, I wouldn't. My older sister looks like my mom. So I recognized her. My younger sister, I didn't recognize. My niece, I didn't know who she was, you know, because I, when I first seen her, the last time I seen my niece, she was two.
1: Right.
2: Now she's like 16.
1: And then how long, how long had it been since you'd seen your sisters?
2: The same amount of time. Same amount of time. I've, yeah, I didn't see, I haven't seen nobody when I came out here. Oh, uh-huh.
1: wow. Okay.
2: You know, and so, um, so I went, we buried my mom, and I came back out here again. And that's when everything just went bananas.
0: Okay. Yeah. Mm. Bananas is
2: one way to put it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, I, mean,
2: I I I don't know what helped me back, you know, even trying to work or even trying to live or even trying and I and I think it was my mom, just even knowing. But once that was it, then that was the last person on earth. That was that was my last connection to to reality. okay and Mm so i just i just went bunkers
1: berserk yeah Yeah. berserk
2: i started Mm -hmm. fighting got assault charges uh selling drugs wherever i felt uh sleeping wherever i felt just just not caring you know and um i started going to prison i went to um I went to Donovan. Then I got out. I went back to um, Harvard. How, how, wait,
0: let's take it one at a time. So how old were you when you went to the uh, prison the first time?
2: Um, I think the first time I went to prison was in 1993. Okay. And so that would have put me at 130 uh, thirty. Five, okay, so mid no, thirty, yeah, yeah mid right. like yeah. And so, um, I went, I went to prison, and um, and that's why, that's why I taught myself how to read too, mm. in prison, in prison, in prison. So up to this point, did you really not know how to read? I mean, I had eighth grade education, yeah, mm-hmm. dropped you know, out, yeah. And so I started um, reading um, the Bible, mm. and then I started just reading novels, mm. you know. Mm-hmm. And each time I would go back to prison, I would read novels like I, I read of, all, I read all of Louis Lamores I read all of Daniel Steele I read all of Dean Coons, I read all of Stephen King I read all of Sue Grafton I mean
1: I just love the fact that you read Daniel Steele
2: yeah wow <laughs> yeah well I was like
1: anything to to pursue that
2: right because yeah. I was locked up for so long yeah <laughs> so, and so um I, I went to Donovan the first time and um I, I did eight months and 20 days and I got out and I went back to Harvard and Wilson and um I thought that um, maybe I should hide my drugs a little better. And so I thought I could stuff them all in that little coin purse in your jean. Like I'm a big old drug dealer and everything can fit in that coin purse. Mm-hmm. And so I got arrested again. This time they sent me to um, to Chino. And then from Chino, they sent me to Avenal Prison. And I got out of Avenal and I went back to Harbor and Wilson and I got busted again. And this time they sent me to
1: how far in between?
2: Oh, I would um, I would do at that time. I would probably last maybe three months at the most. I would always, I would always seem to get out around the beginning of the year and always go back. You know, during the summer,
0: always. Yeah. So you're in the system. You're dealing drugs. You keep getting busted. Mm-hmm. You must have. So, so the the sense of being invincible from birth to, you know, your late twenties when you first get arrested, uh, that that invincibility must be crumbling a little bit. You're getting nailed over but, and over again. No, that made me stronger. Oh, that well, mm-hmm. prison cred now. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh,
3: okay,
2: yeah. Tell it's us a, about prison cred. Or it's prison called prison cred? cred. Well, cred. Um, once <clears throat> it's it's a weird psychology, but once you become a convict. It's like yeah, especially in my circles. Mm-hmm. Then you're something like out here in the in the land of normality. Mm-hmm. I, I call people. I call it Squaresville. Out <laughs> here, you guys say oh, somebody's been to prison, somebody's a junkie. Ew. Where I'm from, they're like, dude, you're uh, it,
3: you're That's it, like, you're yeah. It. I mean,
2: you're 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 the man. You're big okay. dog, <laughs> right, right. Okay, you know. And so, um, and so I didn't see a problem with it. I mean. I go to prison. I got a place to live, you know, mm-hmm. um,
0: food, food, clothes, clean clothes, showers. Friends. Yeah. I mean, I knew people mm-hmm. and you're reading a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you kind of at this point kind of surprised by your kind of intellectual abilities to, to really get into these long novels? And no, I, I just didn't have nothing else to do. Okay. You know, and so I would, I would read. I learned,
2: I learned the Bible by doing push ups. Uh Uh-huh. That's how I study the Bible. What does that look like? What do you mean? Um like the 23rd Psalms. Uh Uh-huh. It's like I'd I'd say it and I'll start doing push-ups. And if I made a mistake, I had to start all
0: over again from the beginning. Oh wow. Wow. Well, you know, I know enough about prison because I volunteer up at St. Quentin um to know that not everybody's reading. Not everybody's reading the Bible, you know. Um you made a choice in prison to start reading the bible do reading novels that's not everybody's doing that mm-hmm. did, did you did did you recognize you were you were kind of distinct in in that no not really because when you're in prison you do your own thing you mind your own business all right
2: and that was just my program
3: yeah
2: you know i didn't have money to buy a tv mm-hmm. you know and so i would utilize what resources was there which was right. books and so i would i would read and um do my push-ups. I went to Bible studies as time went on. And, um, and so I'd sit in prison and I'd, I'd start questioning. like, well, there's a problem. You know, why am I in this situation again? And so I get out and I would go back to, um, Harvard and Wilson. Mm-hmm. And instead of keeping the drugs in my jean pocket, I, my, my best plan was to keep them in my socks. And so I went back to Harvard and Wilson. I got busted again. I got sent back to prison and I thought about it and it's like, okay. And then I went back and I went back to Harvard and Wilson. And I thought if I keep the drugs in my hand, I could throw them when the police come. But I got too loaded and forgot it was in my hand.
0: And so I wow. got, I got, so busted. you're dealing and using. Yes. Which is not mm-hmm. a good combo. That's a good combo. Yep. You have to. It's a good combo? Yes. Yeah. Cause you have to know you have quality. Yeah.
3: Oh,
0: yeah. Okay. All right. You have and it. By you have it. the control. Measures <laughs> right. 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 World, yeah. right.
2: And so, um, and so that was that. And and mostly, you know, when I look back at it, I dealt drugs just so I can have drugs.
0: You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So this is a way of supplying your own habit. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Because I thought the number one rule was, you know, dealing drugs don't, don't use. use. It, you know, that keeps it more profitable. No, not for you. Not for me. Okay. And so
2: I'm going through that. And um I got out and so by then I think I probably let's see. Avanol, Chukawala. Um I think I got sent to High Desert. And that was in nineteen ninety-five. And that was a brand new level three, level four prison. And it was it was It was interesting.
1: Gnarly?
2: It was extremely gnarly.
1: Yeah.
2: You know, because whenever a new prison opened up, everybody has to stake their territory, which Mm. means people die. Oh, wow. Okay. And so, and that was the first time prison wasn't fun.
0: It was, it was all about survival.
1: Oh, wow.
2: So you're
0: bouncing around a bunch of prisons in Southern California, but then you finally go to a prison where it wasn't so fun. Right, right. Mm.
2: right. Mm -hmm. You know, but it's, it was, it is what it is, you know? And so- I got out of there and I thought that, um, okay, I know what the problem is. And so when I got out, instead of stop selling drugs, I thought the location was the problem. And so instead of going to Harbor and Wilson, I went one block south to Harbor Victoria. Uh-huh. And then I got arrested again. Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, a police officer, and I didn't know anything about police officers work a certain beat. Mm -hmm. And it was the same Mm -hmm. police officer that arrested (laughs) me every time. He knew me. Okay. And he asked me, he goes, don't you think you should do something? with your life? And that was my first real moment of clarity because I didn't know something was wrong with my life. And then he told me, don't you think you should do something different? And, mm. and how about how
0: old were you when, when the officer said that to you? I was, I was 35. Okay. So from, from yeah. birth to 35, it hadn't occurred to you that you're operating outside of normal.
3: Right.
0: And this cop's statement to you kind of woke you up. Yeah. Did I get that right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was, I mean, probably people have said things to me mm-hmm. throughout my life, but I didn't hear it. And I think at that point I was just
0: tired. Yeah, I was tired.
1: You were ready to hear it.
0: Yeah. So you're 35. This cop tells you this this comment. It wakes you up that maybe you're outside of normal. Well, then what? Well, I didn't I didn't know exactly what was wrong, but I knew something wasn't
2: right. Mm. And then that's uh, so when I go, yeah, you know. And so he arrested me again. He put me in jail. I didn't know that he had a friend that had a treatment center, and usually. Well, it's time for me to go to prison, okay, my whole mentality changed. My whole outlook changed. My whole facade changes. Mm. You know, I mean, back then I had hair. I'd cut all my hair off. I started doing a bunch of push-ups. I don't smile. I mean, I'm ready to go into, okay. into a prison. And so I got ready for that. And instead, some lady came from a treatment center. And she's like, do you want some help? And I'm like, okay. You know, and then she shipped me into a treatment center. And is this your first trip to a treatment center? First ever. Awesome. Okay. Wow. At
1: 35? At 35.
2: Wow. Okay. So um, then what? Well, initially I thought, okay, I'm going to sell drugs out the treatment center. Oh, gosh. All right. <laughs> I mean, what a cover up, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. And, uh, But something happened, you know, um, when they picked me from the treatment center. Normally, when, you're, when you get released from Santa in the jail, they release you about 12 at night. Mm -hmm. and, you know, this time they didn't release me at night. They waited to the next day, and a lady came. Jill, I'll never forget, and she was all happy and everything, and she's like, I'm coming to pick you up. And her first thing was, do you want a cigarette? And I'm like, okay, because I'm so used to, if you want to give me something, you want something. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you want a cigarette? I'm like, okay. And I'm thinking, well, what does this lady want? And then she said, well, you want to go eat Chinese food? I'll never forget that. And I go, yeah. And then she took me to this treatment center and she goes, do me a favor. If you're going to leave, walk out the front gate, don't jump over the fence.
1: Yeah.
2: And I'm like, these guys are trusting me. And then I walked into this environment and everybody's all happy and huggy and (laughs) giving. And I mean, Marnie gave me a bag of cheeseburgers and like, welcome. We're going to love you till you love yourself." And I'm like, hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, And they were nice you know and they put me in an apartment by myself and i didn't know till later on because i had anger issues you know and um they put me in this apartment by myself and then that's when i got introduced to um the 12 step community and all of that stuff and uh, and things got different you know um people were being nice and they were consistent and when okay. i like you know mm-hmm.
0: like, so so the way i kind of get your story is that You're from 1 to 35, you're kind of in this uh, weird state of, quote, in air quotes, normality with drugs and violence and dealing and using and your mom being shot in the head and surviving. But 35, your mom uh, dies and that sends you off to a spiral that sends you into all kinds of bouncing around all kinds of prisons and jails over and over again. And. And then the you, you're invited into a, a treatment program. That's the first time where you're kind of getting some stability in your life. Mm-hmm. Is that fair? Yeah. Well, my mom died probably when I was 32. Then that's when the wheels fell off. And then okay. at 35,
2: I got introduced to the treatment place.
0: Okay. Yeah. And, okay. And was that around here? Where was this treatment center? What what city was it in? Um Newport beach. Mm-hmm. Okay. I finally arrived. <laughs> <laughs> finally
2: arrived. <laughs> Okay.
1: Yeah. It's right. called the rehab Riviera in yeah. Southern
2: Orange County. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and it was cool. Okay. That's good. So this is where you, you started getting family. back on your feet. Um, not necessarily. That's where I was like, um, well, getting back on my feet. That's when I was like starting to develop new legs. Okay. And I, I always tell people my life, up until that period was like the negative portion of a Polaroid picture, okay? Mm. It was, it, it was, it's a picture, but it's all dark. Uh-huh. And that was my norm. That's how I lived. Uh-huh. And then I'm casted into this other place to send, dude, this is like the way you're supposed to live life. And I'm like, well, what is this? You know, I mean, you're supposed to smile. You're supposed to help people it was, a, I was a stranger in a strange land. I mean, people yeah. will come up and go, let me hug you. I'm like, get away from me.
0: <laughs> so you had trouble just kind of Adjusting. loving, you know, just accepting, loving people. basically, yes. And letting people love you and yes. get to know you. And Yes. Don't touch me. Don't just kind of your walls are up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because
2: yeah. you
1: didn't like yourself, nor you did you even like love yourself, right? Yeah. I yeah.
2: didn't, I didn't love myself. I didn't love people. I didn't yeah. love life. I didn't, I mean, it was like just neutral. Yeah. You know? Hmm. And then they're like, you know, I was there and then I went to my first um, 12 step meeting and um, it it was a shock, you know, and I'm like, okay. And I'm I'm glad I went to the one that I went to because those guys were like all just rough and crazy and cussing and smoking and, you know, tell me things like. If you want to drink, here's a couple dollars. Go get drunk. Don't come here and BS us. You know, it's like, oh, this is cool. Or if you want to fight, go in the parking lot and do it. But come back in and make amends. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: And I'm like, I'm I'm grateful I got introduced that way because they spoke my language. I understood that. Right. You know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't one of those people who, oh, we're going to love you. It's like, no, you're not. So it wasn't
0: wasn't like the phony love bombing, um, you know, shallow love. It was more you're hearing people talk. Real language. These are. I mean, I've been enough treatment centers to know that there's some very straight talk. Yeah. The, the BS is over. Yeah. You're, you can't con the con man. Right. Right. <laughs> right. You know. Um,
3: <laughs> you know. When sure. I go into
0: San Quentin prison, I said, "Well, how do you know these guys aren't just going through this program to fake it and get a, a parole yeah, and get out?" And they yeah. go. You know what? They can they can fool me. I can be fooled, but they can't fool each other. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the other inmates, they know what's up. Yep. Right. Yeah. So you're kind of in this environment where you have to kind of face the music. And you're with people that aren't going to be BS. Right. Like, uh, yeah.
1: Like-minded people. Was, yeah. To know exactly your quintessential manipulators, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah. Then
2: they wasn't having it. I mean, they were like strictly business. Yeah. Either you want to get sober or you don't. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Period. Right. But right. don't lie about it. Right. Because you're not going to BS mm-hmm. us. And if you want to you want to get high, go get high. Yeah. But when you get real, come here because we're we're yeah. about getting real. Yeah. I'm Right. Ready.
1: Ready, yeah. If you're ready.
2: Yeah. And it was cool. Cause I remember the first time I even shared, you know, I'm like, I raised my hand and go, yeah, I'm anti, I'm an alcoholic and this treatment center is abusing me. They're making me make up my bed and I have to do chores. <laughs> it's like, that is, rule? yeah, that is not right. You know, I got to mop floors. No, I've been, I've been homeless. You know? Sunday, Right. It's like, what's up with this? And everybody clapped. And then the next guy, he goes, my name is Pete. I'm an alcoholic. And he goes, you're a whiny little. And then he called me the uh, B because you're a whiny little bitch. (laughs) You you can say it. It's all good. He goes, you're a whiny little bitch (laughs) It's all
0: good.
2: And I'm like, oh, my
0: God. Okay. They give you a little
1: uh, whoop-a. So you're a convicted
0: convict. You've been in the pen. (laughs) What does it feel like to have a guy call you a whiny little bitch? (laughs) I'm like, this is cool. (laughs) <laughs>
2: you know, because that's just how we roll.
0: Okay. So you like that. It sounds like you like the honesty. Yeah. He just gave
2: it to me raw and uncut.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. I going to be my sponsor.
1: Awesome. But, oh,
0: he's your sponsor. That was my first sponsor. Very okay, cool. Okay. So you're in, you're in a, a recovery <laughs> program. Mm-hmm. You're facing the music. Mm-hmm. What, what's interesting while what you're saying, Anthony, is a lot of people hit rock bottom and they go seek help seems to me like this lady came along and took you into this Newport beach recovery program. She kind of, she identified your problem when you hadn't really identified it, but nonetheless, you're ready to hear it. Yeah. Did I, did I get yeah. that right?
2: Well, the, the cop is the one that, I mean, okay. The cop. The, yeah, they, they always the said that there's an Eskimo in your life. It was him. It, yeah. Okay. You know, cause he arrested me so many times. And finally he goes, dude, do you time. think you should do something? Okay, you know, and I knew him. I'm like, okay, yeah, what, you know, and then everything else followed. So up. you, how many,
0: you, how many times did you run into this cop oh over God, over the years? Probably quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. So you had developed kind of a weird hmm. relationship, yeah. almost a weird. He's arresting you, and 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 you're going off to jail and prison, but in a way, it's almost. I don't want to. Well, it's kind of a friendship in a way. Yeah. I mean, he cared about you as a human enough. To kind of talk to you rather than just going through the procedures of handcuffs, booking yeah. jail, it's and all that. Kind of that. what I was he, thinking. There's kind of a, a relationship there.
2: Yeah. Well, after a while, after you get arrested so many times, yeah. I mean, why even run? You know, there's a police. Okay, whatever. You okay. know, because that's how my life was. It's like it didn't matter, right? You know, and so I'd see him. He's like, "Hey, come here." It's like, "Okay, it okay." Like, what you got? Oh, here. Okay, you know, I know the drill you know i'm dehydrated i've been up forever injecting meth give me something to drink you know wow. i'm ready to go to sleep i'm tired mm-hmm. you know but this time you know yeah
1: well he said something at the perfect time when when you were ready what's yeah. uh, what's the what how does the saying go like the teacher doesn't appear until the student is ready is exactly. that that's like, bacon yeah. yeah so that's, that's what, it, that's it yeah. so, so, so you know to all the officers out there who are listening to this you know even wives or partners of officers like Take that, say, you know, hey, aren't you ready? Aren't you kind of tired of this? Because had that cop not, not opened up his mouth at that time, who knows where you would be today?
2: Right, right. Because mm-hmm.
1: he spent an extra two seconds to say, hey, aren't you tired of this?
2: Right.
0: And I didn't even know I was tired. Yeah. I, I was on autopilot.
1: He saw it. He saw it in you. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. That's interesting. From the, from the cop and to the, the woman in Newport who's, mm-hmm. who met you. And got you into rehab, people are identifying they're seeing they're seeing you as a human who is, you know, in this situation, they're seeing things that you're not seeing yourself, but you're ready to wake up and listen. And you deserve a lot of credit for that. Because a lot of people stay very, very stubborn. You know, they bunker down, they defend their right to remain ignorant. Mm -hmm. You on the other hand had some humility to say, Hey, well, you know, why, why is this cop telling me to, yeah. you know, is this really the life I want? And really, you know, I, I mean, prior to being invited to go to recovery, had the thought occurred to you, maybe I should go to recovery. No. Yeah. No.
1: You didn't even know what recovery was. You probably didn't even know what treatment was, or if you did, it's like, Oh, those people need yeah, it. Not people. Me. You guys
0: are in Squaresville. Yeah, yeah, we're Squaresville. Yeah. Well, and I'm the first to admit I'm in Squaresville, but you know I am too. With four sharp edges. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to your Squaresville. Yeah. yeah. So uh fascinating. So you're kind of accepting the help, yeah. despite the fact that you're not going after it directly. You're accepting it when it's offered. And and you need big credit and a big shout out to the officers, yeah. and the first responders and the people in the community, because we see them at at the, I have a call tomorrow morning with the homeless shelter with some stuff I'm doing to help out there because there's a lot of people in the community that have had lives of privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, just speaking for myself, I admit it. I had two great parents. Our house literally overlooked Disneyland up, up on a hill. But I realized that and I realized that with that comes responsibility mm-hmm. to not just play golf nothing that's wrong with golf, but you know, do some things to kind of Contribute to the Make community. This cop helped out. This person helped out, and you and you're you're accepting that help, mm-hmm. um, and you're you're in this recovery center where you're waking up to this whole new world. That hey, your BS isn't gonna fly here. Right. I'm you just
1: know? like you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you can't do that. And and they were just you know people have already
2: went through that transformation. Yeah. And they knew what would happen if I did what they did. Yeah. But I didn't know it. Right. You know, all I know is it's like at, at the treatment center, everybody's nice. And then this meeting I'm going to, everybody's giving it to me brutal, which is nice. Uh, and so it was, it was like the perfect storm. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know? And so then that's when I, um I was there. And um, after a while, I remember even being there. I had, a I had a roommate, and um, he, he did, he was sitting in a reclining chair and there was an ottoman in front of him. Mm-hmm. And instead of me going around the back to walk out, I cut between him and the ottoman and his the bottom of his foot hit my leg mm-hmm. and I slapped him because mm-hmm. that's where my mentality was. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And I felt so bad after I hit him mm-hmm. oh. because I did my best to be so good for four months oh. and I slipped and I actually cried. Oh, my gosh. I, and it, it affected
1: you. Okay. Yeah.
2: And I, and I went to the counselors and they're like, why did you hit him? I was like, I don't know. And I felt bad. Mm. You know? For the first time. Yes. You know, I was like, oh, my God. Because I, I, was, I was doing good. You know, four months of no, no anger, four months of doing what I'm supposed to do.
0: and And, and I screwed up. You know, but it sounds like you had instant remorse mm-hmm. over that. Yes. And that's commendable. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because a yeah. lot of people, when they screw up, unless I screw up all the time, um, you know, you want to defend your bad behavior, but you didn't do that. I mean, you, to mm-hmm. the point of crying. Yeah. Right. yeah. And I presume you apologize. Yeah. I, I apologize to him because the counselors had us
2: together. Sure. Because I mean. The contingency of me being there is like, if I violate parole, I go back to prison. Okay, well, I really didn't care about that. But the fact that I was really trying
3: yeah. right, to
2: do good. Right. Yeah. And that hiccup happened. Wow. Right. Okay. And so um, we talked to the counselor. Guy was there. And um, I apologized. I go, you know, dude, I'm sorry, man. I mean, because I really didn't even want to do that. I'm, I don't know what happened. And he goes, well, I forgive you because that's all you know. And I'm like. See? It's oh, all you know. I, I wanted to slap him again. <laughs> I <Right>. but, <laughs> but, <laughs> but oh, no, you didn't there, dude. The, the, the truth is kind of brutal, isn't right. <laughs> it? Right. It's like, okay. That's yeah. a
1: beautiful response. Yeah, that um, hurt. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to get feelings. <laughs>
2: you know? It's like, I <laughs> feelings. You those feelings? <laughs> right, right, right.
1: right. No. What are those? <laughs> Wait, well, how beautiful. Like, you were not only making amends to him, but you were also making amends to yourself. Like, I feel bad like I honestly have remorse not only did I hurt you but I also hurt myself
2: yeah yeah, yeah. And, and and we got through that you know through
1: communication yeah and, yeah.
2: and um, I didn't I didn't really know how to work and they made me get my first telemarketing job they made me get it because I didn't Once well, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry
0: I just didn't get that they made you do what they made me get a job. Oh, okay. God forbid. Uh, yeah, Like a real job. <laughs> yeah, like a real job. So aside from the Carney thing, which is quasi-legitimate, even though you're a 15-year-old kid, I'm sure there's an employment law <laughs> uh, breaches, law, laws being uh, broken there. Was this the first time you are talking? Oh, you worked at the fast food on Harbor. I worked yeah. at the fast food. So you've food. had a couple legit yeah. jobs. Yeah, but I've been always under the influence.
2: Right. And this is my first sober sober job. I mean, because I worked, I worked at a state facility as a janitor. Right. And I even tried to go to school once, but I was always under the influence. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so nothing, there was nothing successful. Right. You know? And so now here I am, they're telling me, cause I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave. It's like, no, just let me stay here. I'll cut the grass and everything. And she's like, no, you have to go get a job. And I'm like, and
0: it was like, and not just a job, but a job sober. Yes. Yeah. Yes, holy cow! For the first time, yeah, that yeah, (laughs) for the first time, (laughs) for the first time in your life, right? And you're how old now? When you're getting your first job while you're so I was like thirty-seven. Okay, that's this is this is crazy interesting because. You're drinking beers at 6. All right. You're injecting by what 11 or 12 yeah. or 13, 13. something in there. Yeah. You're injecting and there's pot in there, there's the alcohol, there's the wine. There's you're you're basically going through life while your whole developmental system is is going with the brain neurology, you're you're under the influence. So I guess that's your words. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly right. And now you're in your mid to late 30s right. for the first time Voluntarily, willingly, wanting to get a job while sober for the first time in your life.
2: Right? Did I? Yeah, is that I was, fair. Actually, I was thirty-five. Okay, and I I wasn't willing. Okay, she said I had to. Okay. okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> a requirement. Yeah, it's yeah. like you got to get a job. Yeah. Okay, and and I felt safe in that treatment center. Okay, because I did everything from. 18 to 35 in Costa Mesa and this treatment centers in Costa Mesa. Okay. And I know everybody that's anything anywhere. And it wasn't the fact that I was worried about relapsing. It was just, I was doing good in that environment. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah, it, was confi- that,
1: it was confined.
0: Yeah. And it yeah. told me to go back, go out there but it seemed like a safe place and you it, you liked being in a, for right. the first time in your life in a safe, safe. sober place. Yeah. People were nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it yeah. was
2: like, cool.
0: They were nice, <laughs> but they were also real. Yeah. 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 They weren't passive. They weren't aggressive. They weren't passive, uh, passive aggressive. They were assertive, meaning they were kind, but right. they had their, they weren't going to put up with any BS. And right. also
1: not even expecting anything from you.
0: Right. Yeah. Just,
2: just get your life right. Yeah. Right. You know? And so I'm doing that and um, I finally got my first job. And um, it was telemarketing, and because she scholarship me, and I had to pay her back. And so I would get my paycheck, you know, I'd come and I'd just write my name on the back of the paycheck and give it to her, mm-hmm. you know. And then one of the counselors taught me how to budget. You know, he said, "This is what you do: you cash your check and you keep fifty bucks, and then you give the rest to them." Cause I, I had no clue on how any of this stuff worked. Yeah. So you're learning basic financial mm-hmm. management yeah, at the, skills. the age of your, in your mid thirties. Right. Cause I mean, I knew 28 grams made an ounce, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> that, I it. didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't even know that. Oh uh,
0: Yeah. <laughs> Baking soda and cocaine, blah blah blah. Yeah, I knew that stuff. So you knew all the recipes to cook up great drugs, <laughs> right? And I didn't them. <laughs> right. You knew the metric system, and I'm still, you know, mess, I can't get that. right. I can't, I can't get my head around right it. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. And so I mean, but
2: that knowledge doesn't work. Okay. Uh, and so, so I'm getting the job as a telemarketing, and uh, that's when my first sponsor left, and I got my second sponsor, um, and uh, he was interesting. Uh and I, I remember I would call him up and he would say things like, because I'd be like, Hey dude, what's up? You know, and he's like, Well, you know, my name is, you know, so and so and say hello. I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, and I was in transition and I really was like, so I'd call him up, just go hey dude, what's up? You know, and he'd hang up on me. And so I'm like, then I I talked to another friend, I go, My sponsor keeps like hanging up on me. You know, he says I don't know how to talk on my telephone. And he's like, Well, what do you do for a living? I'm like, telemarketing. He goes, Do you make money? I'm like, Yeah he goes, well, then you know how to talk on the phone. So just get rid of me. And so I did. And um, then I picked up um, Dave who taught me this, like everything's about spirituality. You know, he would um, put his hand and Dave was cool because Dave would say it's a spiritual thing, but he also would give me permission to sock people in the face. <laughs> as long as I'm willing to pay the price. He taught me that one. Well, you could do anything as long as you're willing to pay the price. Mm-hmm. And and I'm like, okay, I'm okay with those rules,
3: mm-hmm. you right?
2: Know? And so he used to always, um, I'd see me, I mean, and I'm just like new into this whole sobriety thing, and he would put his arms around me and he hit me in the chest. And He goes, Antoine, it's a spiritual thing. Mm. Okay, you know, and um, and so that's when I started like looking at this whole spiritual thing. It's like God is not just an it; it's a it's a thing. And so, because the God that I knew, you know, was like, hey, rescue me, but you didn't rescue nobody else. So, why should I call on you? Uh Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. and my relationship
0: started to change with God. Mm Yes. So, I'm glad you brought that up because I was real curious when you're talking about when you're in prison, you're doing push ups to Psalms 23. Mm -hmm. Was that, was that maybe, uh, you tell me, was that kind of a beginning of your uh, spiritual awakening or you tell me? Um, It was, it was my beginning
2: of, lessons uh-huh. from God. Hmm. Okay. I, I got to see his work uh-huh. in writing. Yeah. You know, examples of what he can do. Uh-huh. Okay. But I never, 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 ever knew until I had my spiritual like had no clue. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so um, and so I, I, I knew about what he did for other people. You know, I, I, I knew that people had to go through hell before they get to heaven Mm -hmm. okay that's all the examples i've learned in the bible Uh, and so i understood that you know right and because to me it was just another book to read you know Uh, with some good lessons in it and so i understood that um dave would dave would say everything's a spiritual thing i heard that you know um 12-step program taught me how to pray and Hmm. all of that stuff Um, was that hard at you at first praying yeah, I I prayed when you know when I did too much drugs. God, please don't let me die. Or oh, wow. you know, God, let my mom live. You know, right. all that stuff. But never
1: on your knees praying. And, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Asking for help, giving right. gratitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and so um, that occurred, and then you know I get introduced to the twelve steps, and um, the the book, and um, the fellowship, and you know. All of that stuff, and it was it was it was good for a little while uh-huh you know and mm-hmm. then i I thought like, well, maybe I could do it again, but differently, okay, and so um, I went out and I tried some controlled drinking, and then I did some controlled substances,
1: you did it your way, yeah, and then yeah. I ended up
2: in a controlled environment
1: mm-hmm.
2: and how how did that how did that work out for you in a controlled way um well i um I went out and started drinking. I, I ran into a friend of mine who had a meth lab in, in his house. Okay. And um, I, I would go, his, I, I seen his wife, she was going to the donut shop and she says he's in trouble. You know, um, his parole officer says he has to go to some 12 step meetings. And it's like, well, don't you know, I have like a year or so, Friday? I got a big book, I'll handle it. You know, so I'd go to his house with his old meth lab and we'd talk about recovery and play Nintendo. And then I'd go back and we'd talk about recovery and play more Nintendo. Then I'd go back and play Nintendo and little recovery. And in the meantime, I'm seeing all of the craziness that goes with the drug world. Yeah. And, and I missed it, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm living a life where I get up and I go to work. Make and your bed. Make my bed and <laughs> go to meetings. And, you know, it's like. It's boring. Yeah, like yeah. elevator music. Right.
3: You know, oh, I like that. You know, it's and like then I go to this music. place,
2: and it's like Metallica. You know, <laughs> you know?
1: And, elevator music.
2: Yeah, and and so it's like, and I was going there, and since in that environment, I I knew my my connect my friend really well. I was I was probably a good customer, but um, I went there, and at one point in time, he's like. Do me a favor. I don't trust none of these people around me. Hold the money, you know, until you leave. They so, give me a lot of money to hold for him, and it's like, okay. And so I'm like in the recovery world. I was nothing there. You were something. I was somebody again. Yeah. You know. And uh-huh. then I'd leave, and I'd give him his money, and then he'd come back, and he goes, "Well, here, you know, hold the bag of drugs. So I don't trust these guys. You were
1: needed, right?
2: You know, and it's insane." Trying to walk that line, right? It's 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 insanity, and so finally came that one point where somebody had my favorite drug in a spoon was sitting there, and they just said, "What well, do you want?" Some, and I'm like, mm-hmm. "And and so you're blowing how long of a, uh, a 18, span, 18, 18 months, months of sobriety, eighteen months, wow!
1: In one decision,
2: in one decision, it was it was it was incremental,
1: yeah.
2: It, it was going there. I mean, I could have at any given at any given point in time gone, no, I'm not going there. Okay. you know, I could have when I seen his wife, I could have said thanks for no thanks. You know, I had to physically get in my car and go to his house, walk up to his door, knock on his door, walk inside his door, sit down consistently.
1: Yeah. You know, it was a decision. It was a decision. Yeah.
2: You know, thought out. Yeah. 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 And then I'd go to meetings at night. And it was like, okay, here I am, you know, elevator music. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And I go over there and say, <laughs> uh, you're rocking. <laughs> right. Yeah.
2: And, and it was just like, I mean, here I get $50. Here I get the whole 5,000.
0: Right. You know? So cheap, easy money. Mm-hmm. Right. Versus. Versus a hard earned, yeah. you know, honestly earned 50 bucks. Right.
2: Yeah. You know? And, and it's just didn't balance out. Then once I did that first drug, that
0: was it. Okay. It just,
1: you're hooked hmm. again. Okay. Yeah.
0: So I want to get into that first drug and what happens. But to recap, I mean, basically what I'm hearing is that you are going along in this weird, you know, quasi normal of life of dysfunction. You don't even know there's a problem. Mm-hmm. The officer wakes you up with a comment, you know, don't you want to do something with your life? Then this lady invites you into a rehab center in Newport Beach. You get a job with telemarketing. Uh, You're earning money, honestly, and, and in sobriety for the very first time, but I think, and then you're talking to people in the rehab center, they're talking real rather than, you know, manipulation and BS in each other. You get sober for a year and a half and you describe that as kind of elevator music. Whereas when you start kind of wandering back to the meth lab and your buddies, that's more like Metallica. You know, it's (laughs) like rage and fun. You're feeling the adrenaline. And it's there's kind of a contrast between this boring, honest life of sobriety. And now you got the high, you know, volume, uh, you know, fun, crazy, fun, crazy life Mm -hmm. of the drug world. And you're offered a spoon with, uh, what was the drug in the spoon? Methamphetamine. So with meth, a very dangerous drug. Yeah. And after a year and a half, you give in. You take the meth, wow. Yeah, yeah. game over. Then what?
2: Then I tried to balance both worlds. Mm. Okay. And it's really hard living in a sobriety world under the influence. Mm -hmm. It's very hard. Right. Especially a drug like meth because you're paranoid, you know. And whereas I used to eat all the time, I'm not eating. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm avoiding people who I know are going to call me on my stuff. You know, so I'm avoiding meetings and um but that's okay. You know, I mean it worked for a hot second. And then um finally there was um it's it's really interesting because once I started doing maths again, I wanted to be sober so bad it was pathetic because I I I missed the normality. am You missed, had a taste of it. Yeah, I missed being calm and sleeping and you
0: know, I, I kind of miss the elevator but, music. Yeah, the tranquility of that. <laughs> yeah. Dang it, I miss that elevator <laughs> music. Yeah.
1: But now you had something to, again, compare and contrast. Like, had you never been exposed to treatment or rehab or, you know, with your friend and A, etc., you probably wouldn't even be having these thoughts. But now, since you've been exposed to that, now you're like, oh, I, I kind of miss being calm and meditating and sleeping and having that structure, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so there came... um that that jumping off point where I couldn't deal with living both lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's when I didn't mind. I remember in the 12 steps, there's like the ABCs, you mm-hmm. know, I'm an alcoholic, cannot manage my own life, no human problem, relieve my alcoholism and God couldn't want it pure a thought. And I said at that point, it's like, you know what, God, I'm like so done right now. Just help me. Mm-hmm.
1: Say mm-hmm. that slower because I think, yeah, like the ABCs say, say that slower because I think some people would, would love to hear that. Oh. I know it, but. Yeah, say, say it slower. No,
2: I'm an alcoholic. I cannot manage my own life. No human power can relieve my alcoholism. And God could not would if you were son. Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And And that's, I think that hit my head. Because like, they always say it, a head full of 12-step program and a belly full of booze don't mix. Mm-hmm. And that is so true. Mm-hmm. And a head full of 12-step program and a body saturated with methamphetamine will drive you Crazy. Hmm. Because all I kept hearing is keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. I mean, just going over and over and over Mm -hmm. and over in my head. And it just drove me bananas. And so finally, on March 26th, I said, you know what, God, I know what's going to happen. And I can't deal with it because I have to be physically removed from society to stop drinking and using. I have to be. Mm -hmm. And I said that on March 27th, I got arrested. No, March 28th, I got arrested. And my sobriety date is March 29th, 1999.
1: Yep. And you just celebrated 29 Three years? 23, 23 years. Yeah. Oh. Yep. 23 wow. years. Yeah.
2: And and it's it's really cool because I was homeless for 23 years. And now I've been
0: sober 23 years.
1: Yeah. Oh my goodness. Half of your life. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 23
0: wow. and 23.
1: 23
0: and 23. Wow.
1: That's powerful.
0: Mm. Yeah. So I guess what I'm hearing uh, is that, Falling off the sobriety wagon is not the end of the world. In other words, people can get back on the saddle. Yes. And you can get back on even stronger.
3: hmm mm-hmm.
0: Even yeah. stronger. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, really crazy powerful. Yeah. So is, it, is so has it been 23 years of elevator music? Oh, good question. Oh, my God, yeah.
1: dude. <laughs> ah, good question.
0: <laughs> 23 years of Pink Floyd. <laughs> <laughs> in between.
1: Yeah. In between.
3: Yeah. no, no, no,
0: no, no. Pink Floyd <laughs> is way better than Metallica. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, okay. I think that's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're going for the Led Zeppelin. Oh, I mean, oh, that's the pinnacle. Dude, you,
2: <laughs> you, you,
0: you, you would not
2: have matched. And I'm, I'm going to tell you guys about it. Um, but after that, I said, thanks, God. You know, um, I didn't go anywhere near Costa Mesa. I got busted in Riverside. Okay. Uh, with 67 grams of meth in the backseat of my car. Wow. And, and um, the lady that had the treatment center, she also does alternative sentencing. Mm. And so she, she even came and represented me. What's
1: alternative sen- it's sentencing? instead
0: of
2: that? going to jail, you go to treatment, okay. okay, and I'm big on that.
1: I'm yeah, for sure.
0: so big on that. Well, yeah. this mass incarceration problem in the country is insane. Yeah. I mean, the the jail system, the prison system is is monetized to, mm-hmm. you know, and it it serves certain individuals well to see lots of people incarcerated. Yeah, but you know, the are a lot of the high schools in our country are just factories for for prison mm-hmm. to manufacture criminals to go into prison and monetize the prison system there's got to be smarter what i'm saying is there's got to be smarter yeah uh, ways to go about this problem yeah
1: our system is very punitive and if we can bring alternative sentencing which is you know we see a lot of that in the drug court right the dui courts etc yeah so i just didn't know the term i didn't know the term
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, so what I wh- I think where we are is we've talked about their survival. You've gotten on your feet twenty three years of of uh, of sobriety. I want to get into the thrive yeah. section, and the, I think that's the next episode. So let's yep. let's stay tuned for the next episode where we talk about what that looks like in terms of thriving. Because I know you've done some crazy. Successful things in those 23 years of Pink Floyd.
1: <laughs>
3: I,
0: um,
1: I needed so, to listen to some yeah. Pink Floyd. Yeah, well,
0: yeah. <laughs> oh, Tanya, yeah, for oh, sure. Yeah, get, get, get with it. So, uh, okay, post traumatic thriving, where we talk about whether we're going to dive, survive, or thrive. The
1: choice is yours. Thanks for supporting our podcast. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe, and follow us on your favorite social media. For books, merchandise, or to donate, visit coreiq.com. Post Traumatic Thriving is produced by Core IQ, a nonprofit with a mission to teach the life skills we all need but are not taught in school. Core IQ and the Post Traumatic Thriving podcast are for informational purposes only and do not provide medical or mental health advice. Always consult with your licensed medical and mental health care providers.